Cesar Jaramillo, thank you very much for taking my call. Thank you for having me, Levan. Now, yesterday, um, during her speech uh, to the Standing Committee on Foreign Affairs and International Development, uh, Foreign Affairs Minister Chrystia Freeland uh, spoke uh, quite at length about Canada's policies on arms exports, Canadian arms exports. What's your reaction to what she had to say? Well, there's uh, there were a, a couple of, of of very very important uh, uh, announcements or elements to her to her presentation to the Foreign Affairs Committee. Uh, the first, I will start with the, with the, what I found to be the most troubling uh, aspect of her of her of her statement, and it has to do with the with the investigation into the the reported abuse of, of Canadian-made equipment uh, by the Saudi regime in, in Saudi Arabia's eastern province. About six or seven months ago, there were uh, some footage emerged, very damning, compromising footage that appeared to show Canadian-made vehicles uh, being used against civilians. These were, of course, very damning images, impossible for the government to ignore. And at the time, they, they expressed deep concern and, and announced that they were going to launch an investigation. A period of silence followed for a few months, and then yesterday we we were we we were informed by the minister that uh, the investigation has already reached its uh, findings, its results, and basically the main result is that the the Canadian government found no conclusive evidence, and that's a quote: no conclusive evidence. Uh, of misuse of Canadian-made vehicles in, in Saudi Arabia. And the implication here, of course, is that the, the, the multi-billion Saudi arms deal that's been controversial in the past couple of years will proceed. Um, so that's very, very uh, troubling. And, and the main reason why that, that, that is troubling is, is, uh, has to do with the very standard that the government is using. They, they, they keep referring, and this is a, a recurring uh, problem in, 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 in the, the way the, the government has handled this, this uh, uh, deal with Saudi Arabia. They keep referring to evidence, evidence this and evidence that. If we have evidence, we may revisit. When we find evidence, we'll take action. We have seen no conclusive evidence. But this emphasis on the word evidence is actually misleading because from an arms control perspective, internationally, the, the, the gold standard, the recognized threshold that should guide decisions is not evidence, but risk, reasonable risk. And that is, the way, the, this concept is specifically found in Canadian, Canadian uh, export control regulations. It is specifically found in, in the arms trade treaty, uh, abundant references to risk, yet not a single reference to evidence. So again, we uh, uh, we feel that the government used the wrong standard and continues to use the wrong standard uh, to assess the, the the risk of of uh, of, of uh, abuses by by the Saudi regime with the with the Canadian-made vehicles. Now you said there were two things that uh, you found troubling. What was the second one? The no, the, there were two things that stood out from her, okay. from her, from her remarks, and actually one was very troubling, and the other one was was actually positive. And and I have no problem, of course, you know, welcoming uh, positive developments related to to Canadian arms regulations when when they come. And um, we, it seems that there is there is, uh, I mean, the devil will be in the details of the specific wording, but it seems there is appetite 
from from Global Affairs Canada to take into account some of the concerns and recommendations that uh, various civil society actors have made uh, to the government uh, related to to Bill C-47, which is the proposed legislation to to enable Canada to join the Arms Trade Treaty. Specifically, uh, the 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 minister announced that there will uh, be the uh, now a concept included into the law related to risk assessment. I mean, they, they, I think she, she called it a, uh, a risk clause or substantial risk, risk clause. And basically, um, again, it's premature to, to, to say what wording exactly will be used around it, but I think the notion is that, uh, that Canada will, uh, will need to have a high degree of confidence, I believe is what she said, that there is no risk of, of human rights abuses in order to authorize deals. And I think that's a, 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 a positive development because um, the situation up until this point was uh, not was not that, uh, that Canada needed to have a high degree of confidence uh, that no human rights abuses will occur before authorizing. But human rights simply seem to be one, merely one, uh, more factor in a balance in a mix of factors, including uh, economic considerations, strategic interests, uh, uh, what have you, and 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 the evidence thus far indicates that the, the human rights concerns <laughs> seem to be secondary in those considerations. But I think this this inclusion of a risk clause makes it very explicit that uh, unless unless the 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 risk can be can be um, mitigated or avoided, then the, the export will simply not proceed. Or at least that's my initial reading. Uh, I mean, hopefully the, the, the way it's, it's included in the legislation is, is uh, consistent with that more stringent approach to armed uh, permit authorizations. Now, of course, this comes uh, as uh, today we have some breaking news. Uh, apparently, uh, the president of Philippines, President Duterte, uh, canceling um, a contract to buy Canadian-made helicopters for the Philippines uh, military. Um, what do you make of that? Well, it's it, it, it's a mixed bag. I mean, I'm I'm in general. I mean, I'm I, I, I'm excited. I'm, I'm I'm very pleased to see that uh, that Canadian-made helicopters are not going to the to the to the military of the Philippines because the 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 military, especially under the president uh, the, uh, under the presidency of of Rodrigo Duterte, has had a, a very uh, questionable uh, human rights record and, and uh, on various fronts. So just as a matter of principle, it always struck me as very uh, odd that Canada would be supplying helicopters to such a such a questioned and questionable uh, military. So that's positive in general. You know, there, we, we are minimizing the risk of Canadian complicity in the violation of human rights in the Philippines, and there's there's um, that's that that's good. But we don't need to look at it in, in isolation. When I look at, at the, the Philippines deals worth in the hundreds of millions, in the context of the Saudi arms deal worth billions, I wonder, you know, I, I do have questions about the consistency with which the government has approached uh, these two deals. With the, with the Saudi arms deal, there, there have been years of, of red flags and, and legal challenges and, and, and mounting evidence of, 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 uh, of misuse, yet the Canadian government is very reluctant, as we saw yesterday. They are still determined to proceed. 
whereas with the with the uh, Philippines arms uh, helicopter deal, the almost you know within a day the government expressed uh, its decision to to review the contract, etc. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I wonder if, if um, it may be a bit of a sacrificial lamb in all way, <laughs> to throw the bo- to throw the general opinion a bone or public opinion a bone in order to be able to continue with the with the big Saudi arms deal. But uh, another reading, uh, I think it, it, this may be a missed may have been a missed opportunity for the Canadian government because um as as you as I'm sure you know the cancellation the actual cancellation came at the initiative of the Philippines not at Canadian initiative so the end result will be the same you know the deal will not happen but uh, you know tr- uh, the prime minister could have taken credit for this one you know immediately uh taken the high road recognized that their the 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 president Duterte's human rights record is indeed indefensible uh but but it no it was the tables turned very quickly and it was the philippines actually who pull, pulled out of the deal what are some of the other issues that you're looking at um in, in this coming year well in terms of 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 arms exports the 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 accession of Canada to the arms trade treaty will be a significant development. Canada hasn't uh, been at any of the of the conferences of the arms trade treaty as a as a fully fleshed state party. It has attended some meetings as an observer state. So, so we're we're looking forward to, to this year. Will be uh, the the uh, the conference of state parties will be taking place in Tokyo, Japan, and uh, we're we're a bit. Not certain, but hopeful that Canada may be able to attend as a state party. Uh, but even if it doesn't, it's it's very good to know that um, that the process is for accession is ongoing. I think it's a, a procedural matter um, at this point. But the broader question that we will continue to to monitor and look at closely is the gap between between rhetoric and practice uh, from the Canadian government as it relates to arms controls. Because by and large, whenever we hear statements from uh, from Global Affairs Canada on, on arms control, they're actually, um, many of them at least, are quite good. And they speak of lofty objectives and the protection and the promotion of, of human rights internationally, or they speak of, of greater rigor and transparency around the arms trade. So what's not to like? But... Um, but then you look at the practice, and you know we're we're, we're still going to be arming uh, Saudi Arabia, one of the very worst human rights violators uh, in the world. It seems that the government is is uh, intent, even after acceding to the arms trade treaty, to preserve exemptions uh, both uh, related to export permit requirements and to reporting requirements for arms exports to the United States, and that raises a whole host of of uh, a separate set of questions that we, that we have concerns about. Um, so, so hopefully this, what we see to be a gap between rhetoric and practice, uh, practice hopefully will, will gradually start to, to, to close, you know, and, and as after Canada joins the arms trade treaty. But um, the big stain, and there's many, or, or there's several smaller details, but I think that the Saudi arms deal is the big stain in in all of this. This is uh, the largest ever in Canadian history, a military deal, uh, and um, it is just egregious in in so far it is emblematic of everything. You know, of 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 the 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 
the purpose of arms controls, and, and it's almost a case study of what should not be happening in 2018 uh, with regard to, to, to supplying weapons that, that may be used for, for, for armed conflict or human rights violations.